0: Episode 112 of the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. Manchin's not coming around. we got to try something else. Let's start the show.
1: We are now the defenders of the stronghold of democracy and of equal opportunity.
0: I don't know what to tell you. Uh, liberals have been going nuts for the last 48 hours or so since Joe Manchin said that he's not budging... On the filibuster. He's not budging on the For the People Act. He's not for it in its current form. Now, I don't know that that lasts forever, America. You never know with a guy like him. He's he's a cagey politician. That's how he is a Democrat who has been elected in the reddest of red states. West Virginia gave Donald Trump his biggest margin of victory in both 2016 and in 2020. And in 2018, Joe Manchin, a Democrat, got reelected in West Virginia. So let's be clear here. The math in West Virginia is very different than the math in California or Illinois or New York or Arizona, for that matter. It's a very, very red state, and he has been able to maneuver in that state. So I am very much for giving him space on this. I want him to come around. He did signal over the weekend that he is for the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act. And I have said, bring it to the floor this week. Let's let the Republicans filibuster that too and see what Joe Manchin says about that. I, I, I don't think, though, that we should be putting all our eggs in the Joe Manchin basket. There are other options besides Joe Manchin. I'm sorry. There are at least seven Republicans, six, let's call it, who I think are gettable on some things. And the most gettable one is Lisa Murkowski. Lisa Murkowski, you know, she won re-election without the Republican Party line. I don't know if it was the last election or the election before that. I know she's up for re-election in 2022. I think it was 26. I think it was actually 2014 when that happened. I I don't know. My math's all wrong, right? What's 12 years? I think it was 2014. No, it was 2010. When the Tea Party primaried her and she ran uh, a write-in campaign in the general election and won. Yeah. So she doesn't need the Republican Party. Uh, Alaska's an interesting state with interesting people. And Lisa Murkowski is one of the most interesting people in the Senate, frankly. And I think she's gettable. And I think we should be working on getting her vote. I think we should be working on getting Susan Collins' vote. And it might be harder to get Susan Collins' vote because, quite frankly, she just ran... A very, very hard-fought re-election campaign where $20 million in national Democratic money was pumped into her state. And a lot of things were said about her in that campaign. So she might have an axe to grind still. So she might not be as gettable as Lisa Murkowski. What about Senator Toomey? Why don't we make Senator Toomey an ambassador to something right now? He's retiring uh, at the end of 2022 from Pennsylvania, there's a Democratic governor in Pennsylvania. you will have a Democratic senator appointed in Pennsylvania if you get Toomey out of the Senate. There needs to be other options. Everybody's going nuts about Joe Manchin and yeah I guess that there's some there's definitely uh, there's definitely a right for us to be going up being upset about him. Chuck Schumer's not majority leader without Joe Manchin and I don't know who else wins West Virginia right now. And quite frankly, we should have picked a better candidate in North Carolina and we would have won that state. And it wouldn't be all about Joe Manchin right now. Instead, it is. We should have done a better job in Maine. There were other seats that we could have won that we didn't win. We should have been working very hard in the down ticket races. I know we were all very excited about uh, getting Joe Biden elected president, but we missed a couple opportunities in the Senate. And and uh, losing Maine to me was amazing to me because we should have won that one. It seems like it's there. But of course, look, incumbency has its privileges. And Susan Collins has been representing Maine for a very long time. And people in Maine know her and like her. North Carolina is a whole nother kettle of fish. Uh, Cal Cunningham, the candidate in North Carolina, couldn't keep it in his pants. And that bothers me. Really bothers me. And I think our response to it wasn't that good either. And the polling in that state was horrendous. But that doesn't mean, look. There are other people in the Senate. We need to be working these other senators. We need to be appealing to those senators. We need to find a way to get that 50th vote in the Senate so Kamala Harris can break the tie on things and get rid of that filibuster. What do they want? Let's make a deal. What is it going to take, Lisa Murkowski? You need a bridge to nowhere in Alaska? I'm happy to do it. And by the way, for those of you who poo-poo uh earmark funding and who you know talk about the bridge to nowhere. Well, every place is nowhere until you could get to it. You need a bridge to get over there to develop anything. Sorry, you're not gonna build a, a city or a factory or a town or a house on the other side of a of a river that you can't get to unless you have a boat. I always remember I remember that bridge to nowhere debate and how John McCain used that to get rid of earmarks. You look earmarks were the grease that kept the wheels of government moving in the house of representatives. And quite frankly, don't you think that the local representative, the member of Congress, the member of the Senate, the member of the house, the member of the Senate would have some idea of some projects that need to happen in their district that the federal, that the executive doesn't know about what's wrong with that. I, I, I'm not for sneaky earmarks. I'm not for earmarks that nobody knows about. I'm for full disclosure earmarks that people know about that Members of the House of Representatives advocate for within their own districts and states. Why not? What is wrong with that? Somebody please tell me what's wrong with that. I'm for it. You should be for it. There's nothing wrong with a member of uh, of the House or the Senate advocating for a project. Now, what's wrong about it is they're getting paid by some developer or some contributor or some supporter to uh, to push this project that is unnecessary in the district. And there's some sneakiness about it. Where we don't have full disclosure on who's advocating for these projects. That's why I'm for all open disclosure on all these things. But I do think we got to figure out what it's going to take to get Lisa Murkowski on board. And if it's a bridge to nowhere, I'm all for it. I, I don't care. That nowhere will be a somewhere soon enough. I want her on board. I want to end the filibuster. Because quite frankly, democracy hangs in the balance we see what's going on around the country and what these Republican legislatures in the states are doing to voting rights as a direct response to the big lie. They're out there passing laws that are going to make it harder for Americans to vote, going to make it harder for uh, people of color, young people, poorer people to vote. Less access, more restrictions to the voting booth. We need another senator. And if it's a bridge that it's going to take, and I don't think that's the case, you know, I'm making this up. This is shtick to some extent, right? Uh, Lisa Murkowski does not need the Republican Party. And Lisa Murkowski, I'm not saying she's a wishy washy liberal. She, she might be more liberal than Joe Manchin. Uh, I think she is, frankly. I mean, Joe Manchin votes with the Democrats 80% of the time. I'd like to see this country move forward on some. Voting protection legislation. I would like to see the Justice Department enabled to check voting laws being uh, advanced by the states. Now, Joe Manchin said, look, uh, he wants pre clearance in all 50 states. You know what? I'm for that until we have another Bill Barr as attorney general. But quite frankly, we are well on our way to getting another Bill Barr type attorney general. If we don't stop this movement on the right to restrict voting, it has to happen. It has to happen now. So, you know, look, don't count on Joe Manchin for this, but I, I would also not count him out fully. I know he says what he says, but I don't count him out fully, frankly. I don't think he wants to be the senator that goes down in history as the one who will let American democracy fade into the dustpan of history. I don't think Joe Manchin wants to be that guy. I don't think Joe Manchin wants to allow Uh, voting restrictions in 50 states across this country. I don't think Joe Manchin wants to make it so that Democrats can never win. I don't think Joe Manchin wants it so that we have minority rule in the United States of America. I don't think that's what Joe Manchin wants. I'm sorry. I don't believe that's what he wants. I know that's what he's saying right now. I know that's what it sounds like right now, but I don't think that's what he wants. I just don't. So let's see. Let's see what happens with this filibuster. Let's see where we can go. Maybe we cut it down to 55 votes. That'd be something. Maybe we make them talk. That would be something else. He he once said that he was for that. I don't understand when he goes out and says these things why we don't just do it. Well, let's see what happens. It's going to be an interesting ride. All right, I've got a great guest for you. Ellis Hennigan's been on the show before. He's a writer. He's a traveler. He's a great political pundit. Listen to my good friend, Ellis Please rate and subscribe to this podcast Wherever you get your podcasts Give us a five-star rating Subscribe, tell a friend I'm at Christopher Hahn on Twitter as well If you want to follow me there Listen to Ellis Hennigan And then I'll be back to wrap up the show after that Joining me now A friend of the show Who you've all heard before Ellis Hennigan is an author, columnist World traveler And uh, love to have him on the show to talk politics Ellis, how you doing?
1: You're still prime time in my heart, Chris. <laughs> yeah, man. Um,
0: you know my prime time spots have dried up a little bit. I wonder why. I guess when uh, you pick right. it... you
1: and I may be destined to overnight, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Well, they they they, they call me up to book me, and they're like it's uh it's a twelve o five a.m. hit, and they always say it's nine o'clock in California. Like I know how time zones work. I go okay, okay. It's nine o'clock in California. Great. So I hope I hope we have a big audience in California. I know we don't. So it's a, it's a, people don't watch TV in California. Why do you think that is? Probably because it's so nice there. Everybody's outside,
1: right? Yeah, I think that's uh, that is true. I'm not going to say because they're dumber. I'm going to say because they have other options.
0: They have other things to do. They're not they're not yeah. sitting at they they're not sitting in front of their television set at nine o'clock. They're they're still out so to I, dinner. Well, I have to- I have a question for you in that regard
1: though, if you if you don't mind. You know, we of course were so Trump obsessed for so long. Yeah. So you still here, to some extent, But do you are you less are you putting in less screen time than you were a year ago, do you think?
0: So I am not simply because back in January my agent came to me and said, I lost a gig because they said I had no social media presence. So I have been obsessed with getting my social media numbers up, which I now am, I am doing well over a million impressions a day on Twitter. I've, I've gone from 16,000 followers. I'm about to have 50,000 followers. It's just been, I've been obsessed with it. I've been looking at it all day and I'm probably doing your life. Yeah. It's ruining my life. It's, I never cared about social media until somebody said I needed to care about it. So now I care Mm -hmm. about it. So, you know, that, that's me, but are you less screen obsessed?
1: Um, I have to say, I mean, listen, I'm still pretty obsessed, let's be honest, you know, and the TV is on in the back and i fall asleep with the, you know, with it on. I, you know, I'm not a well-balanced person, but I think probably I'm a little less, yeah, maybe, maybe 10% less, a little bit less. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I always tried to
1: not watch
0: TV news after like eight o'clock every now and then I'd watch something. Uh, and I always watch something funny before I go to sleep. I like to watch Seinfeld or The Daily Show or something like that. No. You know, that's see. I love. I got to tell you, and you're going to think I'm a nerd,
1: but I, I think Brian Williams is the best. The best show on cable news. He does do a great I show. Do. He does. He, he does a great smart. show. He's smart. He has a point of view, but he's but he's not you know a thunderer. I just think I learn a lot watching that show. I think it's a really
0: good show. And he usually has some great guests on his show for an eleven o'clock show. But I try not to watch it. I I try. I hear you. I try not to watch because eleven o'clock is too late. I'll be like sitting up all night thinking about <laughs> uh, what are they trying to do? They're trying to take over the country, you know? I'd rather be thinking about uh, is anybody here a marine biologist? <laughs> you know, it's it's just that kind of thing. So, so yes, we're both less screen obsessed. You know, look, the news isn't as much. Uh, of a draw anymore, but there's still a lot going on in America. I mean it seems to me that the GOP is fully bought into the fact that they cannot win without Trump. Uh, you see this in the fact that they've uh, they, the, the Senate filibustered the uh, January 6th commission only 35 Republicans in the House voted for it, six Senators Republican Senators voted for it. Uh, do you buy into that that they can't win without him or you just think they're lazy?
1: Oh, well, I, I would say there is some truth to it from their point of view. I mean, they, they got nobody else who is equal. But I, but I got to put another log on the fire that I think may be even more important is they can't win if people vote. Mm. Mm. You know? The demographics are against them. The mood is against them. The current Democratic president is rather popular right. by the standards of our uh, tribal measures today, and I think they desperately need to do this voter suppression. And, and whether it's the gerrymandering part of it, whether it's the make it really hard to vote and cancel all the ways that make it easier for certain kinds of yeah. vote. I think their future really does hang in the balance here.
0: I think the only thing they can really control is the gerrymandering. I know that there's all this. I Look, I want to see HR1 pass. I want to see there be open access to voting, I don't think Trumpism works without Trump. And I think Democrats saw what happened on January 6th and are scared of losing the country. And they're going to show up and vote in big numbers in 2022 as a result of that. And I don't think Republicans come out without Trump. We saw it in 2018.
1: Yeah, I think that may be right. But you do have to acknowledge that Dems have not done so great at peeling large numbers of Republicans away. You know, they're the people we know on cable news, right? Our right. People, the, uh The never-Trumpers, the smart ones, the ones who we think, yeah, these are guys who actually believe in something, women who actually believe in something. But, I mean, his numbers are still really, really, really high.
0: Yeah, yeah, his numbers are high, and it's—but it's. look, there are less Republicans now, right? We Every time we see a poll, there are fewer and fewer Americans identifying as Republicans. So while his numbers are high among Republicans, there are fewer Republicans,
1: and I think that's a big problem and more of them are dying every day i don't mean to be ageist but I, I think that is uh, I, that is demographically correct i'll say it
0: they are ever aging decaying and dying uh, population and, you know, not that we're spring chickens anymore. I was having a, you know, I'm, I'm about to turn 50 this year. It's, uh, it's uh, you know, I was walking into the studio tonight. And I was like, is there something wrong with my eyes? Like, what's going on? There was like some flat, it was flat lighting outside because it's like cloudy. And I was having a hard time seeing. I was like, what's going on here?
1: I was like, oh. Is, I mean, it's interesting. I always go through the exercise of my own mind, of, particularly when I disagree with somebody. Try to take one little minute and figure out how this world looks through there. Yeah. Yeah, And, uh, you know, it's, it isn't easy on this thing. I mean, I understand why somebody might be scared of the kind of social change that our world is going through and figuring, well, you know, when all the dust settles, I'm going to be in worse shape than I used to be. Right, I, I get that part of it. You know, that's what motivated the Tea Party. I, I think it's part of what drove people to Trump. But how you could look at these more and more barfetched explanations, this crazed conspiracy stuff, this election stolen thing, and say, yeah, this is my team. I I don't get
0: that. I don't get it either. And I don't get how people see, you know, they were told that the storm was coming on January 6th and Trump would be proclaimed president for life. Then they were told he's coming on March 4th. There'll be a new inauguration. Now they're saying maybe sometime in August. How many times do you have to be fooled? told that something's going to happen and then it doesn't happen. These same people were told when Trump got elected that Hillary was going to be arrested any day. That was like the first QAnon theory. All these things keep not happening, and yet they're still with them.
1: Yeah, well, as you know, facts ain't what they used to be. Yeah. And so if you don't believe them in the first place, I guess maybe you're not as disappointed when they turn out to be wrong. These things are at base, cultural, some kind of gut connection that is not easily susceptible to argument, Chris.
0: Yeah, it's so sad. And the funny thing is, is that you and I have traveled the country and we get out of this New York City liberal bubble that we live in. I live out on Long Island, which is surely not a liberal bubble. Um, And we get out and we, we see the world and we meet people and they all seem like nice people to me. I, I don't find them crazy when I'm interacting with them one on one.
1: Do you? Yeah. No. No. I mean, these are my relatives you're talking. About. In fact, I'm speaking to you uh, from from Louisiana, my, my home my home state. Right. And and these are right. These are people I know and love. And you know, you, you deal with it in a lot of different ways. I mean, some, sometimes we just don't talk about it.
0: I can't talk to my mother about politics anymore. Just can't. I can't do it. Yeah. it I want to like. I want to leave. I want to not talk to her anymore. When I talk to her about politics.
1: right, and it's, <laughs> I love you, mom. You know, there's a lot of great things about you, but your political analysis isn't 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 one of them. Right, but it is. It's it is not. No matter how good an argument you can deliver, Chris, how 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 aggressive, progressive, and and you know, reasonable you can be. I don't think there's much convincing No, you know, they just, I just don't, I don't feel it. Maybe at the margins. I mean, I got to think we're chipping a few folks away and you know, maybe that'll change things. I, I keep just, telling people, I tell Ellis, it.
0: I tell people every day, I don't have to change a hundred percent or 50% of Republicans minds. I only to change like 2%. This is a nice. 50, 50 razor edge thing. You lose two to 5% of your vote. You're done. It's over. You know, so
1: maybe maybe you do get back to the demographics you're talking about. Go look at the age charts, Look at the immigration charts. I used to say Trump
0: was going to lose just because of the age demographics. He was going to lose Pennsylvania, Wisconsin uh, and Michigan just on that. I want to talk to you for a minute about the filibuster in the United States Senate, which is driving me a little crazy lately. Two senators, uh, Joe Manson, who you would expect to probably be more on the right than other senators and Kristen cinema who i don't expect to be on the right because i know her and i know that she's not a conservative quite frankly i don't understand what she's doing right now uh but this january 6 commission that was blocked by republicans through the filibuster their first filibuster of this session has to make me think that they won't compromise on anything
1: no no, and, and by the way, the, the two that you mentioned are different from each other. Uh, I, I'm I'm very understanding of Joe Manchin. I mean, he may drives me crazy sometimes. Yeah, you know. I mean, I certainly wish that he would find at least on a couple of pet causes of mine some way to to see the light. Yeah, but listen, the guy wins in an impossible state. It's the
0: it was the biggest it, Trump victory state in the nation, and he's a Democrat. It was, Right, he's
1: better than whoever you're going to get if it's not Joe Manchin. Right, I keep telling See, my I keep telling us. my
0: liberal friends that,
1: and they don't want to hear it. It's on us to go elect somebody else somewhere else. Right, you know, I don't think beating up on Joe Manchin is the is the answer. Now, cinema Arizona is not that. Arizona pretty much of a Democratic state, it, despite, it, despite what you're seeing. Katie Hobbs
0: is going to be governor of Arizona, regardless of their fake audit that they're doing and whatever voter suppression they're doing in Arizona. She's going to win, <laughs> right? Win yeah, easily.
1: I, I just don't know. I don't know her that well. I don't really know what's making her tick. There's just something weird about that, though, that I don't, I don't, I can't really explain.
0: Man, Ellis, I met her about 10 years ago at a think tank meeting in Colorado when she was a state senator about to run for Congress. And I remember telling a friend of mine, she is too liberal to get elected to Congress in Arizona. <laughs> and now she's a senator from Arizona and she's acting like Joe Manchin. And it, you know, yeah. there's no, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason about it. Yeah. Well, for, for, now as
1: to the larger question, I mean, we got to get rid of the filibuster. Yeah. It's not. know uh, No, I understand to some extent you're taking a risk there because at some point the other side's going to be in control and this will give them some leeway yep. that we don't have. But you got to, you got to do it. The,
0: the bottom line is, you is if that. the other people want to do something, they will just do it. They power is how they. They, power for power's sake is what they're about, and they're about using power. Democrats, it appears, are afraid to use the power that they have sometimes, and that is anyone
1: who's scared of this. I'll tell you where to look: fifty state legislatures. Not one of them has a filibuster, right? And and I'm not saying they're all, uh, you know, the Roman Senate. I mean, they're not all genius places, but somehow or another, they get the business done and allowing a majority to win votes. And this is a really weird system. It's it's. Been used for ill many, many, many more times than it's been used for good. And I say, on balance, we got to be killing it. Yeah, yeah, it's got to be gone. It's,
0: it's got, I mean, I mean, you, Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema were on the floor of the United States Senate when the riot, the mob attacked. They want to see this January 6th commission enacted. Hell, Mitch McConnell called for a commission like this in the hours after this attack. And now they're saying they don't want to have this because they got a call from Mar-a-Lago and they're not allowed to vote for it.
1: And I, I'm yeah, let sorry. Me something let me say something blasphemous to you about this. Uh, this may not be the most important issue. Um, I, I hate to agree with Mitch McConnell about anything, but there's a lot of ways to find out what happened. Yeah. I might give up one valuable way in exchange for a, a Voting Rights Act of the 21st century, or right. you know, immigration reform, or you know, I got an infrastructure bill to try and do something to stop our crumbling nation. It's a very potent, symbolic, horrible thing. Did you say we want to turn our eyes away from what happened on January? Right, but really, 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 I well, know. we
0: will get to the bottom of it. The problem is, is that half the nation won't believe it. And if you have this bipartisan commission of non-elected people, you have a better chance of people believing it.
1: You think? You think they'll believe it?
0: Yeah. Well, that's that's the problem, right? What I,
1: I. What about what about? What but about
0: r- w- remember what I said to you last segment. I'd have to make everybody believe it. I just got to make ten percent of the other you side just, believe it.
1: Do. That's it. What about what about W and Barack?
0: Ooh, that would be nice. Flip that. that would what be a that? that would be a great commission. W and Barack. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love think it. They do it? No, <laughs> I don't think they do it. <laughs> I don't think I wouldn't do it if I was either one of them. You know, they've got they've got too good of lives right now to be thrown in the middle of this nonsense. I, I think Merrick Garland should appoint the special prosecutor and pick, you know, pick an attorney general that you know is from the other side that has some sort of, you know, <laughs> honor system, you know, and, and and make that person the special prosecutor on this. Give them an unlimited budget and tell them to come back next next September, frankly. You had your chance, Republicans, of having this wrapped up by the end of the year. Now I want it to come back late September twenty twenty two. That's what I
1: want. <laughs> It's awful. I mean, we'll just keep talking about it. I, you know, it's, it's just terrible. And it is, and it is. I, you know, I, I hear this expression that people are using, inside job. Yeah. And I think there's, there's some aspects of an inside job. I here. guarantee
0: you that there were some members of the House of Representatives that knew exactly what they were doing when they were showing those people around the Capitol. They had to have. And you know what? They don't want to be exposed. And Kevin McCarthy knows that even if he takes back the House of Representatives next year, it's going to be a very small majority. And there's already 35 people who don't want to be Speaker of the House. He can't afford to lose people. I just, just, these people just drive me nuts. They don't care about this country. They care about a bigger office, a nicer pin.
1: Yeah, and you know, at some point, maybe what can we hope? That at some point, the Supreme Court says the gerrymandering has just gone too far. That there is some kind of connection between the fairness of democracy and drawing lines that bear no representation to the actual will of the people. I I don't don't think the court doesn't even want to do
0: it. Yeah, then they're never going to do it, and this court will surely not do it. Right? I mean, it was a five-four decision uh, when we had a better court. It's this court will absolutely not do it. Uh, I, I really doubt that you're going to see Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Comey Barrett, you know, you know, you know, voting to kill gerrymandering because gerrymandering is the only way Republicans have power, period. They're, they
1: they can't but, keep power anymore. But so what if what if the as the president or the ex-president, the old guy hopes that Maricopa County gets repeated in states across America and yep. have uh, nin- ninjas uh, and all over cyber ninjas. Power. Right, there's another band of cyber ninjas. I mean, the Supreme Court did hold the line. Yep. On the the Trump election, I mean, they didn't they didn't make him the president again. I wonder. There's got to be some kind of line here that there are a couple of votes on the court that will say, you know. We don't want to insert the federal government into local election rules, but, but this is just goes too far.
0: You know, I think you probably could have gotten like Gorsuch, but you're not going to get Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett. It's just not going to—I mean, you, you the, speak, the, the, the chief justice, I think, is a fair person. He's a conservative. I don't agree with him, but yeah. I think he's a fair person. <laughs> I think Agreed. Gorsuch is a strict constructionist, and you can get him. If you make a strict constructive ar- argument, I think the other four conservatives on the courts are hacks. They're just <laughs> conservative hacks. And as long as they're there, they're going to be a blockade to anything that is not going to benefit Republicans in this country. And it's just it's horrible to even think that about the court, especially, you know, I'm a lawyer uh, and you you hold it so dear. And, man, it has just been so bastardized. It's horrible. So we're going into this off-year election and we're starting to see signs that maybe the left isn't as far left as possible. I don't know if you've been following any of these midterm primaries going on around the state, in New York City particularly, and in other parts Mm -hmm. of the country. But it seems to me that moderate Democrats seem to be doing best.
1: It is interesting. And New York is a great example of that because the conversation in New York is pretty left these days. Yeah. You know, the city council is, a, is pretty much of a left organization, I would say. But you're right. The people who seem to be catching fire are the ones who might actually have a chance of accomplishing something. Is competence back? Is that possible?
0: I think so. I think competence is back. I think you're going to start. I think you're going to see people say, "You know what? We tried the people who don't really know what they're doing, and it didn't work out so well. Let's get somebody who has an idea or two.
1: Yeah, yeah. This, uh, this Garcia, the former uh, sanitation commissioner, I'd say would be an example. of That she seems, at the moment, to be the one. I don't know if this is of interest to folks around the country, but no. she seems to be kind of the one with uh, on, on the rise at the moment. Andrew Yang, I. I think he's going to fade. I, don't I think know. he's fading fast. I think
0: I mean yeah. he's you know look. I mean the bottom line with Andrew Yang is you know he he wasn't really present in New York the last you know twenty years or so. Yeah. And and you know what's what's his experience? I used to think he was really rich, Ellis. And then somebody's like, he's not really rich.
1: Not really that rich. No. I'll tell you how much the city? I'll tell you how much the city has shifted left. When I was a Writing the subway column at Newsday, so going from reporter to columns, young columns. I don't know how many years ago, decades ago. Eric Adams was the head of an organization called One Hundred Black Men in Law. Yes, and he was though he was a rabble rouser. He's a great source. He leaked all kind of terrific stuff to me. I don't think he would mind me saying that. Yeah, um, he was a transit police lieutenant, and was a but he's a good guy, but a wild guy. Right? Yep. Now he's
0: like the conservative in the race. He's the conservative in the race. And it's basically between him and Garcia and Garcia's not really that far left either. Right. I mean, she's, she's a competent, here's how I'm going to pave the streets kind of mayor. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: She's making a, she's making a middle class Mike Bloomberg argument. I can get stuff done. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. They're all making a Mike Bloomberg argument. I saw Yang talking about Bloomberg today on television Uh, So I so what I have said, but, you know, my point of this is and for the national audience is, you know, all this talk about how the inner cities are going, you know, way to the left doesn't seem to be panning out in the biggest city in this country with a huge liberal population. It seems that the Democratic voters have rejected the people, the Maya Wiley's of the world, the other people. There's like 20 people running who are further to the left than Garcia or Adams. And Garcia and Adams and Scott Stringer seem to be winning, and Scott Stringer has been paying some lip service to the re- to the left, but he's a guy who's not really left.
1: He's mm-hmm. a liberal, liberal West Side. Here's here's my analysis. It is true that black and brown voters are uniformly Democratic still, right? The numbers of Republican voters in that part of the community are yep. still very, very small. But that doesn't mean that they're left-wingers. There's right. still family people, church people, economic, middle-class kinds of people. And the arguments that work in a diverse electorate, they can't be racist. Yeah. They can't be filled with this stuff that drives you away and says, we don't like you. But they don't have to be crazy lefty stuff.
0: I have been saying for years that if Republicans would just stop being racist and, you know, wink, wink to white supremacy, they'd get those voters. They would they would get a large share of those voters right now. They're more, you know, I mean, African-American families tend to be very religious families. The same thing with Latinos, you know, but the, the, the problem they have is that on the on the right they don't want them. They want to cater to the angry white man. They want to cater to the guy who's worried about competing with African Americans and Latinos. And it's to their detriment. And it's why they're a dying breed and why they need to gerrymander to stay in power.
1: Man, that's a great can of worms.
0: You could do three hours on that. I know, I know. Maybe I'm gonna do another half an hour on it when I get off with you. But it's a
1: fascinating topic.
0: Yeah, I mean it's it's a it's a it's it's crazy to me. Uh, that that's the way it is. But we'll see what happens. I mean, what are you watching around the country? I mean, you you travel, you pay attention to everything else going on in America. What are you looking for in these, you know, off-year, off-year elections this year?
1: Yeah, listen, I don't really know what's going to happen. I mean, my smart political science people tell me that it's stacked against the dams and it's going to be hard to hold some of this stuff. But I think that Trump is still the big elephant in the room. Republicans don't really know how to deal with it. Right, He does alienate. He motivates the other side as much as he motivates his own folks. You know, those nice suburban ladies and, uh, you know, the old, those old people we used to call Reagan Democrats. I don't know. I think they still have to, in the end, come up with some kind of post trump vision and i'm not hearing it yet there's a few governors out there who are doing a good job a couple of my buddies yep um on the republican side but uh, it is not in the main bloodstream of the national Republican. no Party. totally not there, i think i think they're in trouble
0: they're spending the entire year talking about how the election was stolen and people are like are you freaking kidding me
1: <laughs> you know? uh, go listen go listen uh, to larry hogan and chris christie and to people who've been out there yeah You know, actual
0: trenches. There's no Republican Party for Larry Hogan anymore, though. I mean, like, I don't understand why Larry Hogan even calls himself a Republican at this point. I don't understand how 35 of these guys in the House of Representatives, the Liz Cheney's of the world. I know that they're conservative and they're never going to be Democrats, but I don't know how they call themselves Republicans because the Republican Party does not really exist anymore. The Larry Hogan
1: Republican Party,
0: a Republican Party that would elect a Larry Hogan, Hogan or Chris Christie. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I say. sadly, I think you're right. I like them being in there, though, because they're at least saying interesting stuff.
0: I wish they would just leave, though, Ellis. I wish they would say this party, like, like, like a lot of Democrats during the Reagan era said, the Democratic Party didn't, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party left me. That was Reagan's line. I think that there need to be some Republicans out there saying, I'm not leaving the Republican Party. The Republican Party left me. They stopped believing in these principles, and I'm walking away.
1: You know we I, I know lots of pundits. We know lots of pundits who have said that. In fact a big part of the intelligentsia of the right has said that. Mm. But very, very few politicians have
0: That's because they're weak. And you know, politicians now They have no honor. I'm sorry. They exist just to exist, and it's driving me insane. If they really cared about this country more than their career, they would say that right now, and not just the people who we suspect should say that. A lot of people who are just keeping quiet might want to say that, too. Ellis, I'm out of time with you. It always goes too fast. What do you want people to know?
1: Listen to Han, Go Download that podcast And we can get some sleep Social media thing Is driving him crazy it, Well you gotta help him
0: It sure is Ellis Hennigan He's at Hennigan On Twitter henneken.com For all of the Ellis Hennigan Information you need Ellis it's always great To have you on Thanks for joining me Alright I'm back Well, the former guy showed up over the weekend, his pants were not on backwards. That was a meme making its way around Twitter. They were wrinkled, though. I I did suggest that maybe next time he follows the advice of the maestro, hang them on the chair so they don't get wrinkled before you go out. Those of you who don't know who the maestro is, you really need to watch Seinfeld to understand me. So, uh, I would encourage that of course, you know, he's like the, the rock star who had one hit and continues to go on the road, but he's done too much drugs and his music makes no sense anymore. And he plays the same ridiculous song, but there's still, you know, a group of people who want to hear it. So he's out on the road doing his thing because he needs the attention. That's exactly who the former guy is. He's out on the road because he needs the attention. Uh, pretending that he doesn't know that the election that he lost, he actually lost. And he does know this. He's well aware that he's talking out of his big old butt, but he'll go out there on the road and he'll play the hits, lock her up, uh, the big steal, whatever you want to call it. He's out there doing it and it's bad for America. And I don't know if you heard Liz Cheney over the weekend. Uh, Liz Cheney, was on some radio show or podcast, and she suggested that um, there were other Republicans that would have voted for impeachment along with her and uh, the handful or so who who voted with the Democrats to impeach Trump after the January 6th insurrection. She said that there are some of them that feared for their lives. Now, I don't know if that's true. I don't know how many that is. But if it is true and if it's even one member of Congress that has changed their vote because they fear for their personal safety and the safety of their families, that's how she put it, man, that is a horrible thought. That we would live in a country where people who are elected to represent us would change their vote. Because of fear of violence. That is banana republic nonsense. That is, you know, Vladimir Putin level of nonsense. And that needs to be rooted out. I think she should be naming names and those people should come forward. I, 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 that's a horrible thought to me. It, it's the most horrible of horrible thoughts for members of Congress to be changing their votes because they're worried about their lives. But that's, you know, if that's where we're living in right now, we've got to get things under control even more. You know, reason why we need the voter reforms that I talked about in the first segment of the show. Uh, it, it's it's nonsense. It's absolute nonsense. All right. Before I go, I want to just a uh, little personal note here, a little point of personal privilege. My wife is running for the United States House of Representatives in a very winnable seat. There will be a Democratic primary. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see me retweeting all of her stuff. Uh, I'm not going to make a big deal of it here on this show. Uh, I will talk about it. I, I fully support her. I think she'll be an excellent member of the house of representatives. I, uh, I, I will do everything I can to help her get there, but this show is about talking about national issues, not talking about particular campaigns. And I will not make this about her, but if you want more information about her, just go to my Twitter account at Christopher Hahn. Uh, my wife's got the same last name as me. Her name is Cara Hahn and she's running in the first congressional district and she's at Cara Hahn on Twitter and you can find all the information you want about her there but this show will not be about her campaign. Uh, everything else in my life will be about her campaign, but this show will not, nor will my radio show. I, I uh, you know, If it becomes an issue that I need to talk about, then we'll, we'll talk about it because that's the way I am. I don't want to hide the truth from my listeners here or on my radio show that airs across the country. I like to tell the truth as I see it. I tell you to tell the truth as you see it, and to seek the truth. I mean, that's the way I end this podcast and my radio show, and I've been doing it that way since 2013. So, um, you know, I just want to be honest. I want to be upfront and honest because you may hear it, you may have heard it, and if I don't mention it, uh, that's awkward. So now I've mentioned it. I'm really excited for. I'm really proud of her. She was an excellent lawmaker uh, as a uh, leader in the Suffolk County Legislature. And she'll be an excellent member of Congress. Um, She can also suffer fools better than I can. Let's just put it that way. I have a hard time. (laughs) I have a hard time debating people who don't know what they're talking about and having conversations with people who are clearly misinformed. And and my wife is far more empathetic than I am. And she's going to and that's what makes her a better elected official and a better public servant. So uh, Godspeed to her in this campaign. And uh, I want to remind you now, as I always do, to seek the truth question everything and everyone, even me. Seek the truth. I know it's out there and I know you'll find it if you look for it. And I'll be back here again next week to tell you the truth as I see it. I'm Chris Hahn. Thanks for listening to the Aggressive Progressive Podcast.